7. We'll look at all the verses tonight. <clears throat> we don't know exactly who wrote this psalm. We see in the superscription that it says, A Psalm of the Sons of Korah, a song. We talked about Korah several months ago when we, when we looked at one of these psalms of, of, of the sons of Korah. We talked about Kohath and Korah. We won't, we won't uh, recap all that, but some have thought perhaps David penned this. It's hard to say. There's no, there's no real way to know exactly who wrote this, but it doesn't, doesn't matter one way or another. So let's pray, and we'll get started. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good word. And dear Lord, I pray that we would find strength in you tonight. I pray that you would let your Holy Spirit speak to us and through me, that we will all hear from you tonight, dear Lord, and that, that we would know more about your word when we leave than we did when we came. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This psalm starts kind of abruptly, really. It just kind of it just kind of starts with, with strange, strange language. His foundation is on the holy mountains. We're just kind of kind of thrust into this this idea here of, of God's foundations in the holy mountains, and and ultimately what this is speaking of, as we will see as we go through the psalm, it's speaking of of Zion, Mount Zion, the place of Zion, the place of Jerusalem. We see Zion mentioned several times throughout the scriptures, and that seems to be kind of the focal point of this particular passage. Now, it says here, his foundation is on the holy mountains. It seems as though what that means is that is that God is using Zion, or Jerusalem, as kind of a foundation. That is to say, much of God's plan and God's purpose, it, 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 it hinges on this, this one piece of land that we see throughout the Old Testament. And ultimately, even Jesus himself makes his way into Jerusalem. And so this part of the world in Scripture, and Jerusalem in particular, God chose it for what reason, I don't know. But this is the place that he chose to bring about the things that he needed to bring about, to bring about the Messiah. And so Jerusalem, or Zion, is, a, is an important place we see in Scripture. Now, when we talk about Zion in Scripture... We can look at it in a few different ways. It was a, a physical city. It was a physical place that, that David overtook. It was a Jebusite fortress we see in the Old Testament. And David overtook uh, uh, Zion uh, and called it the city of David. And, and there is a Mount Zion, which is right there on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And sometimes when we see Zion mentioned, it's speaking of Mount Zion. Sometimes when we see Zion mentioned in Scripture... It's speaking of the whole area of the Jerusalem. That whole area is referred to as Zion. And sometimes we see it in speaking of the abode of God in a, in a heavenly sense. Zion, that is something out of this world, a place where God resides, a place that God's people long to be. And so we see Zion used in all of those ways. Now it seems as though in this context, when this would have been written, it seems as though they're probably talking about the physical place to some extent, uh, but they recognize that there is something significant about this place, this foundation, this place Zion. That's a, a foundation uh, uh, for God on these holy mountains. Verse 2. <clears throat> the Lord loves the gates of Zion's more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are said about you, city of God, Selah. Now, God's people dwelt all around the land. Uh, Israelites, the descendants of Jacob, they were all over the place. But 
there was something that was unique and something that was different about Zion, and that's what it says here. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than the dwellings of Jacob. So even though his people were everywhere, there was something that was significant about this place, so much so that he says, glorious things are said about you, city of God, that it was, it was spoken well of. There was something, there was something magnificent about Jerusalem and the things that, that transpired there and would transpire there throughout the history of Israel. Verse 4, I will mention those who know me, <clears throat> Rahab, Babylon, Philistia, Tyre, and Cush. Each one was born there, and it will be said of Zion, this one and that one were born in her. The Most High himself will establish her. <clears throat> when he registers the people's the Lord will record. This one was born there. Selah. Now this is kind of a strange, this is kind of a strange psalm all the way around, really. It's not, it's not really easy to understand, or at least not for me. It, it's kind of strange in the way that it just starts out with the with his foundation on the holy mountain. And then all of a sudden we have this this mention here that says, I will mention those who know me, Rahab, Babylon, Philistia, Tyre, and Cush. Each one was born there. What in the world does that even mean? That's kind of strange language that each one was born there. Well, I think that what he's saying here is that, is that out of Jerusalem, out of the work of God, out of the things that God does at this, at this critical point that is Jerusalem where God is going to bring forth all these things, that all the nations are going to be blessed in them in some way, shape, or form. I think that maybe that's what's being said here. That would fit with what we see way back in the Old Testament when God makes the promise to Abraham that God is going to bless Abraham and his descendants, but also all nations are going to be blessed through Abraham. So certainly the Jewish people who are predominantly stationed in Jerusalem, it would have been predominantly Jews, you would think, at that time, but but other people are going to be blessed too. That is to say, it is a blessing to say, I have been born in Jerusalem. Now, maybe in a, in a real physical sense, just to say, hey, I was born here. And maybe that being born there came with some certain uh, specific rights and privileges, just as it does in our, in our world today. There are certain places that if you're born in, instantly you, you, gain, you gain better privileges. If you're born in the United States, for instance, uh, you, you are going to be privileged in a lot of areas that someone born in a poorer part of the world are not going to experience. And so your citizenship is going to come with some advantage and, and something to say, hey, I'm an American, something that you can be proud of. And maybe in some sense, that's what's being said here when it speaks of those who are born of Jerusalem. Now, at this point in time, all of these nations, or a lot of these nations, were enemies of, of God's people. They were enemies of Israel. But this language in this psalm speaks of something better. It speaks of these nations being born of Jerusalem, or perhaps we could say being born again. That same idea that we see in the New Testament, the idea of being born again. That is, at one point, the identity of these places were with these other nations, Philistia, Tyre, Cush, Rahab, wherever it may be. And as people were identified with those nations, well, those were godless nations and ungodly nations and sinful nations. But there's a new identity that is going to come for those who are born in Jerusalem, born in the city of God. That is, those who are born in the city of God are, in fact, God's people. It would stand to, to, to assume that when we look at this type of language. In the New Testament, we see the same type of language of being 
born again. We see the idea of, of both God's people Israel being brought into the kingdom. And then the Gentiles are also brought into the kingdom. People from all tribes and all nations everywhere are brought into God's kingdom. And so in some sense, it seems as though when he's speaking, or they or whoever wrote this is speaking of Zion here, that there's a much greater, greater meaning to what is being said. Now, maybe the writers knew this whenever this was being penned, or maybe the Holy Spirit was leading them to write this, and they didn't know what they were writing. But perhaps the fulfillment that we see here is this idea that, look, God's people, God's place, Jerusalem, Zion, is going to be the source of blessings for a lot of people, uh, people who at once were God's enemies, but uh, as we see here in the text, are born in her. And it will be said in verse 5, and it will be said of Zion, this one and that one were born in her. The Most High himself will establish her when he registers the people. The Lord will record this one was born there. Now, this is interesting language too, this idea of God registering the people. And what does it say? It says the Lord will record this one was born there. There seems to be like some kind of separation. Okay, the people who are born in Jerusalem, the people who are born in, in Zion are registered with God. They are recorded with God. That is, that is in opposition to those, let's say, who were not born in Jerusalem. And so there seems to be this idea that God keeps the record of those who are born in Jerusalem. Again, this fits with the same language and the same idea that we see in the New Testament, that one day all will stand before God in judgment, that, that, that those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, their names are written in the Lamb's book of life, that God has recorded these things, that we are registered in some way. So this same idea that we see in the New Testament through Jesus seems to be alluded to here, at least in some way. Now, whether the original writers knew this or not, I don't know. But I think it's natural for us to see these illusions uh, that, hey, God is keeping a record of those who are born of him, those who are born in his city. Now, in the Old Testament, we see Jerusalem certainly as a physical city, and even in our world today, we see a physical city. But in the, in the New Testament, when we get to the end of the scripture in Revelation chapter 21, and it begins to talk about a new heaven and a new earth, and the angel begins to reveal uh, uh, the, 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 the new Jerusalem, as he begins to describe the new Jerusalem, eventually the description begins to change a little bit. Let's, let's look at Revelation 21 while we're, while we're on, the, on the subject right quick. Revelation 21 Verse 1 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth, first earth had passed away, and the sea no longer existed. I also saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Okay, so here we see this, this idea of a, of a new heaven and a new earth. And what do we see there? The holy city, a new Jerusalem. Now, what we're reading about is old Jerusalem, a physical city. But at some point, there's a new Jerusalem that is spoken of. Then if you skip down to verse 9, it says, Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came and spoke to me. Come, I will show you the bride of the wife of the Lamb. He then carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Now, this is interesting language because... Who in Scripture is the bride of Christ? Who is the wife of Christ? 
It is the church. It is our, it's those who have been born again, those who have put their faith and trust. So we see this new Jerusalem that is coming down, but what does the angel say the new Jerusalem is? He says, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And what does he show him? He shows him the new Jerusalem. So it appears as though from this language that the new Jerusalem that's being spoken of in Revelation 21 may very well be speaking of the church, the bride of Christ. Now, I understand as we read through this language, it gives very specific uh, 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 wording about what the city looked like and, and all of these different things. But we also must remember that the book of Revelation is highly symbolic. And so it's certainly possible, and I believe probable, that what it's speaking of here of a new Jerusalem is not a physical city, but it is, in fact, the people of God that is being spoken of here in very symbolic language. And so that kind of fits along with what we're seeing in our psalm tonight, in Psalm 87. This idea of God establishing a city, or in the case of what we're talking about here, establishing a people that, that consists not just of Israelites, but of all tribes and all nations, and all of those who are born again and who trust in God, who has established Zion, we will become part of Zion, not a physical city necessarily, but that is the dwelling place of God for all of eternity. And so I think that these things that we have seen here in Psalm chapter 87 are worth us considering, even though this psalm may seem kind of kind of strange to us in some of the language, it might it might be worth us spending more time to consider some of these ideas and some of these thoughts that are spoken of here. And finally, in the last verse of Psalm 87, singers and dancers alike will say, <clears throat> my whole source of joy is in you. Or some of your translations may say something like, all my springs are in you. And so there's this idea of rejoicing for those who are part of the city, for those who are part of the group that is been born of the city and registered of the city and counted of God. It's a place that, 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 that comes with joy. It's a place that all our springs uh, are there, where we are fed, where, we, where our thirst is quenched. We see the same idea in Zechariah where it talks about that out of Jerusalem will flow, will flow uh, rivers of living water. And then Jesus says in John, he talks about being the one that brings about the living waters. And then in Revelation chapter 22, when we see the new Jerusalem and we see the throne of God, from it it says flows living water through the streets along uh, beside the tree of life in the new city. And so we see all these ideas and this idea of rejoicing and this idea of springs of water or living water and Jerusalem and being in the presence of God. And this is God's holy place that's been established. We see the, the allusions to those future things, I believe, here in Psalm 87. And so this is a fun little psalm, I think, for us to look at. It might be one of those that we just kind of would click, quickly read over and, and think, well, that, maybe that doesn't make sense and kind of move on. But perhaps there's some, some deeper stuff there for us to consider. And I guess the question that we would answer, uh, would, would need to answer today is, are we part of the city of God? Are we part of the new Jerusalem? Are we part of those who are God's people? Are we those who are, who are counted? Are we registered with God? And, and we are only registered with God and counted as God's people when we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the source of living water that comes from Jerusalem, I believe, is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And that's who we need to seek tonight. Let's pray. 
Father God, we thank you for this good psalm tonight, and I pray that you help us to ponder it and consider it and to learn from it, dear Lord. We see <clears throat> that you are great, dear Lord, to have established such a great plan and a great place and a great city, dear Lord, to bring about your will and to bring about your Messiah, God. So we thank you for that, and I pray, God, that we can be part of your kingdom, that we can be part of your city, dear Lord, not, not a physical piece of land somewhere in the Middle East, but, dear Lord, that we're part of your heavenly kingdom that we even here strive to live for you and, 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 and seek you in all that we do, dear Lord. I pray that we would be firmly established uh, in all of your promises in Jesus Christ and all that you have done through him for us, dear Lord. I pray that you would help us just to read your word, to listen to your word, and to be those who are counted among your records, dear Lord, that we would be counted among you because we have been covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. Let us be those, dear Lord, who sing and dance and 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 know that our source of joy tonight comes from us being part of your kingdom. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.